You're listening to the GNU World Order, episode 33 for season 13, for day 223 of 2019. Hey everyone, I'm not in New Zealand right now, I'm actually in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. It's quite a lot different here, weather-wise. I left New Zealand and it had just uh, dumped something like four inches of snow on the ground. It was beautiful and wonderful and wintry, much less so in North Carolina. But good to be back. I, I rather like Raleigh. It's a, it's a nice little city. I'm getting really, really used to it now because it, it seems like for the past three or four years I've been coming to Raleigh at least once a year. It's got this sort of familiar... Oh, it's been longer than that, actually. Uh, must have been must be like the past five or six years I've been coming to Raleigh once a year, roughly. It's so interesting. I, I never thought I'd even be in Raleigh, and now I'm there once a year. And it is. There's a familiarity here that, I mean, I only know one little section of it. One little section and then one gaming store out by, I think, Durham, uh, called Game Theory. Those are the two, like, those are the, that's the extent of my knowledge of the area. But it, it is quite nice. If you've never been, you should you should visit. It's worth it's worth a visit. I think it's a a nicely a nice little techie sort of progressive feeling town. There's a lot of stuff done here about open data in government and stuff like that. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on here, and and of course there's Red Hat here. So you can you can stop by, uh, I guess uh, the the mothership. I guess for lack of a better. You know, we don't really have a centralized mothership, so that's that's a mothership, Red Hat Tower. Um, I don't know, I don't think you can really go in or anything, but you could look at it anyway. Nice city, nice city, good to be here. So, um, what I think I want to talk about in this episode, and this is going to be kind of a quick one because I, I am sort of off on my own doing stuff, uh, mostly for work this week, is uh, the slash opt directory. And I want to talk about slash opt because it's one of those directories that I think we all kind of know about as Linux users, but we don't necessarily we don't necessarily interact with it all that often. And then certainly if you're kind of new-ish to Linux, if you do interact with it, you, you're never 100% sure what what it's exactly meant to to do or to be. And so I, I kind of want to talk about the slash opt directory in terms of of what of how I tend to use it, what I tend to do with it. And then maybe from there you can analyze your own use of it and maybe tell me what you use it for because I think I think that's um, that's something worth talking about as well. I wouldn't mind hearing about what other people think about opt. I mean, according to the Linux documentation project, which I mean I don't know how well they keep that thing up to date, but according to that, the opt directory was meant for software and quote, add-on packages that are not part of the default installation. Now, to me, I feel like on the surface, if you read that and if you think about that, that that, that says to you, well, it's redundant to user local, the, the user local infrastructure. But I, I feel like what, I, I feel possibly like what the original intent may have been. And if you have insight into this with any kind of I would prefer references so that I know that your insight is not just insight and is actually, um, like, you know, insight, like the, the kind of insight that, that comes from actual experience. But um, I, I feel like what was the intent was that slash user, just slash user, so slash user bin, slash user share, slash user whatever, uh, was meant for the stuff that came on the DVD or the CD, right? That's the, the install disks put stuff into user, slash user. Simple, right? User local is the stuff from the so-called third-party repositories. Stuff that, that, that you can get from the, the additional repositories, but that wasn't on your installed disk. 
So it's stuff that you've added to, well, your local system, but it's not, it, it, it didn't come on that disk. And this is very, very clear. This is a lot easier to imagine if you're a Slackware user, because with Slackware, you do. You get that DVD, and it's got the 4.2 or 4.8 gigabytes of software on it, whatever it is, and you install that. Now, if you don't install everything, you still have access to what was on that disk through a program called Slack Package, Slack PKG. You can install stuff from that disk, and now it could be from that physical media, or it could be from the the servers, the Slackware servers, but either way, it, it is that set of software that is available to you with Slack PKG. Then these guys from slackbuilds.org came along and said, well, you know what, we've got extra software here. So this is already, if you're if you're from the Solaris camp, this is already sounding a lot uh, pretty similar to you, right? It's, there was the Solaris disk, you've got that, it, it installs, it, that's your base that, that's your that's your base set of, of packages. And then you've got other places like CSW where you can go out and get third-party applications and bring them in. Uh, another good example, another obvious example, if you're running RHEL, would be RHEL. And you've got the what, what used to be RHN and what is now called something else that I can't remember, which I really ought to be able to remember, Subscription Manager. I don't remember what the, the acronym for that is. But you've got the subscription manager, so you've got your your disk that you got from the RHEL server, the Red Hat servers. You install that. That's your base package. That's your base OS. And then you can add on to that with, let's say, EPEL and install third-party, quote-unquote, third-party applications. So slash user is your base system. And then the slash user slash local would, in theory, be your third-party stuff. Now, in practice, I don't think that the third-party repositories bother making that distinction. They don't say, you know, they they don't they don't define user local as their destination. They they just put everything into user anyway. And I think part of that is because at this point on Linux, everything you know everything is your base system, and that's kind of the the casual assumption that if you're on Linux especially if you're coming from the Debian world, your quote-unquote base OS doesn't even exist. And your base OS is maybe your net installer, right? And then $25,000, 25,000 packages is your third-party repository. It's it's the Debian repository. It's huge. It, there's no end. So you think of that as, you know, third-party. Well, it's not really third-party at this point. It's, it's, it's the, it's the, it's your base OS, basically, because it's all in one big repository. Now, on Ubuntu, maybe there's a little bit of a, a more of a separation because you do have whatever they call it, the universe, and then the multiverse, and then the other things, the PPA. But I, I do feel it gets pretty muddled up in the Debian world, though, which is fine. I mean, they have the luxury of doing that, so that's kind of that's kind of an interesting phenomenon, I think, where your base OS is is basically everything. Um, but if we're thinking about traditional Unix and we're thinking about it in these terms, then we've got your base OS and user, your third-party and user local. And then what I'm thinking is that slash opt, therefore, would have been neither of those, right? You, you got your base OS, you got your sort of third-party repositories, and then you got your stuff that, that never got into a repository. It's just the other stuff that you're downloading randomly from the internet, and that would go into slash opt. There's no way to really manage that location with your uh, repository with a package manager it's it's kind of the it's just kind of the the wild west it's it's the slash opt directory you put stuff in there and if you want it to be updated then you can update it yourself because that's the only option that the 
people who are providing that software give you. They don't have that they haven't hooked into your package manager at all. So that's kind of how I use it slash opt. When when something like a good well actually let's look let's actually look in slash opt to see what what I have there right now. I've got Firefox, I've got LibreOffice, and I've got ZenFusion in my slash opt, and that's on this Slackware computer. I, I got a few more things on another computer, uh, one of which is called Processing, which is a Java sort of uh, Java library set for um, graphical things. Uh, and then the Arduino, I think. The Arduino um, IDE very frequently gets installed into slash opt if you download it manually, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. So obviously it's, it's going to depend on your distribution and, and so on. I mean, LibreOffice 6.1, why did it get installed into slash opt? I have no idea. It's probably... Um, I'm imagining that it's a uh, Slack build situation. That's what I'm, I'm assuming that I installed it. Yeah, so it, it got installed from slackbuilds.org, and for whatever reason, whoever's distributing LibreOffice as uh, the, the binary distribution of LibreOffice, they install it to slash opt. Probably because, again, if, if I had gone to the LibreOffice site and downloaded the package myself, then the the place I would have put it is slash opt and so that's why this person I imagine decided that was the logical place for this to go this person being Willy uh, Rahario uh, yeah so I don't know how to say his last name actually I've never actually said it out loud isn't that funny um, yeah so Willy is making this this package for LibreOffice and it's 6.1 that I have installed he's got an update to uh, this package for 6.2.5, so I could, I can actually, I can, I can update that myself right now, and I will. There, um, and that'll upgrade that package, and that's just a luxury of Slack builds, the, the way that Slack builds does things. Um, but really, ultimately, what I would actually do if 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 this weren't, if I didn't have that luxury, I would go to LibreOffice.org. And I would download the the um, the tar file or whatever they're offering. Actually, it looks like they're offering an RPM. So I would download that. I would convert the RPM to a tar.gz, uh, and then I would install. I would I would replace the one in slash opt with with LibreOffice. And that's what I do with Firefox uh, on this system because Firefox on this on the Slackware default uh, install is Firefox ESR extended support release. And I I used to ride on that for for as long as I could but eventually that just kind of even though they say it's extended support I I've have found that it doesn't necessarily always equal that like you, you'll still get updates that you're out of date and so on it got really annoying so I thought okay I will play this game a little bit differently and I will download Firefox from the site as this self-contained package and it delivers itself as you know once you untar it it's it's a directory with all the components that they're shipping with Firefox inside the directory. Drag that directory into slash opt, create a, a launcher for it, and you're you're good to go. Whenever I need to update Firefox, when it offers to update Firefox for me, I run a little script called Firefox Updater, and I I have it remove the one the, the, the folder from opt and put a new one in the fold in opt and then I'm updated. And that's all it takes. It's it's a really really simple process. It's just something that you have to remember to do whenever it bugs you, uh, trying to get you to update Firefox. And the same goes for anything for processing or for Arduino or whatever it might be. It just it tends to be uh, a manual 
process of, well, there's this self-contained entity in opt. If I remove the self-contained entity and put a new one where it used to be, then everything will run. And it typically works. Uh, so far, I haven't run into a problem with this. Does it make sense? Not really. I mean, it's not something that you would want to do for all the packages on your system. Uh, there's probably some redundancy there, you know, between, say, LibreOffice 6.2.5, which I know has some reliance, uh, some, some some kind of reliance upon JDK. Uh, you, you could have, I'm sure, I imagine you've got redundancy within LibreOffice with whatever Java components it's shipping with and certainly the Java components of processing or Arduino or whatever you've got installed on your system. So it's not a perfect system, but, but it's, it's a way to manage those applications that offer, for whatever reason, offer a download that is relatively self-contained, compiled for sort of the, the, the basics, you know, sort of the generic Linux system. Put it in slash opt, make a desktop launcher for it, and treat it as basically any other any other um, software on your system. I don't think that I have any complaints about doing it that way. I'm trying to remember if if the um, if the, the 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 absence of a launcher being in user share applications does tend to cause some weirdness. For instance, if I just type in Firefox into my application, sort of my K runner style launcher, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't find the Firefox icon. It doesn't find Firefox, really. It just knows that I've issued a command, and that if I press return, then it would it would run Firefox as a bash command. And because I have slash opt added to my path, then it knows where to find Firefox, and it can it can successfully run that as a command. Now I think I do. I, I'm gonna check before I sort of commit to this, but I'm pretty sure I've got the the launcher added yeah I do so in my dot local slash share slash applications I do have a Firefox dot desktop which um, frankly I would have thought that would enable you know my desktop to to locate that 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 binary uh, and the desktop file has the the icon file pointed at opt slash Firefox slash browser slash Chrome slash icon slash default default 128.png. I got the exact line slash opt slash Firefox slash Firefox percent U. So everything's there in the dot local folder, which I, as far as I know, is supposed to integrate sort of into the, into the, the larger free desktop spec of this is where the applications live. Uh, it could very well be that my desktop is simply too old to understand what to do with that, because this is still... Slackware 14.2, so it's 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 getting up there in years at this point. I could switch over to current, I guess, at some point, maybe, probably not, but I could try it. Maybe I would have better better results there. But for now, this is this is working perfectly, perfectly fine for me. I don't really have don't really have that much of a problem with it. And in fact, it might be something that I'm not doing because I'm I'm finding actually other things that are located in in the same folder in the dot local slash share slash applications that are coming up as I would have expected. So it could be that I just need to refine my um, my entries. Maybe there's just something that I'm I'm not doing something that I'm not doing quite right. Uh, for instance, I didn't give it a category. That that could be part of the problem right there. Yeah. So slash opt is working really well for me as a self-contained as as a target for self-contained applications. And I'd be curious to know 
how you're using your slash opt, or whether you use it at all. I would say for the first three or four years of my Linux usage, maybe even longer, I didn't even have a use for opt. Never really understood what it was for. Uh, and, and there was definitely confusion about what opt was as opposed to user local. And I feel like as I've sort of come to understand the different distribution met- means uh, differently, I, I've kind of started to grasp what the actual functional difference is between all those locations. And again, I'm not 100% sure about the intent, but certainly the way that it's all sh- sort of sh- shaken out now, I, I think that that's kind, of, that's kind of accurate to say that user is your base, user local is your third party, and opt is your <laughs> cottage industry, like you're, you're f- farther afield than, than third parties, at least in distribution method. So there you go. That's um, that's slash opt. Hopefully this has been um, enlightening or informative, uh, and and definitely let me know how you're using your slash opt. I will I will share your methodology with other listeners on a future show. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you next time. Listening to the GNU World Order Ogcast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Ogcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. Exactly. Uh, uh, uh.